about to listen to a sermon from Newtown Erskineville Anglican Church. As a church, we want to see whole communities captivated by Jesus Christ and living out His freedom. They went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow, to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. Going a little farther, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Couldn't you keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Once more he went away and prayed the same thing. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. They did not know what to say to him. Returning the third time, he said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Enough. The hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Good evening, friends. Welcome to you again. My name is Matt, one of the pastors here. If you're new or visiting, it's great to have you with us. If you're online tonight, great to have you with us as well. We are continuing our look at prayer. Uh, We've been running this series for the last month, we'll be running it for the next month as well. And our approach to prayer in this series is quite simple. We're not starting with hacks or ideas we have of how to reach God above us. We're starting with a vision of who God is, as He's revealed in the Bible. And how does that shape the way we approach Him and our prayers to Him? What does that look like as we look at who our majestic God is? And we're shifting a little bit in the series to focus on the person of Jesus and on the way he prayed and what we observe in him and what we see about God in and through his prayers. Now, the one we get to tonight is particularly striking. There is no other prayer like this from Jesus in Scripture. So raw with emotion, so deeply wrenching, so powerful. And if we just slow down for a second for a little bit, And just focus on the person of Jesus here. We can see a lot about our God. And we can learn a way to pray to him that I don't think we would dare do if we didn't see Jesus doing it before us. You know, there are types of prayer, aren't there? There's praying for good weather and praying for a parking spot, which I do every time I drive home in my car. It's King Street. But then there's prayers for the long nights of suffering that we endure. Or prayers for the friendships that don't really work. Or the long prayer for work that never seems to be answered. Those prayers that are forged 
in the depths of our struggles with life itself. And as we see Jesus in Gethsemane today, I think we get a vision of how to pray those prayers and how to approach God in those moments with those things that matter so much to us. I don't know what you bring this evening, but I pray that this will be a blessing to you as we walk with Jesus in Gethsemane. Three things we want to observe about Jesus in Gethsemane that might help us tonight. The first one is this. Jesus prays honestly in distress and panic that is just like our own. Just like our own. It's so remarkable when you see this scene set up, how emotional Jesus instantly becomes. Have a look. They went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, stay here while I pray. And he took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. Now that word distress is about being completely overcome with emotion, wholly overturned. Anxiety and fear and terror. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow. To the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. What we see in Jesus here is him so crushed by terror and fear that he is literally on the the brink of a breakdown. He is in a state of panic and and the way he describes it is what's going to happen tomorrow where he will be executed is so pressing on him today that he feels in the moment like he is about to die. You know, could we dare say, is Jesus on the verge of having a panic attack here? It's a remarkable moment. You don't see any other places in the Gospels where Jesus is so overcome by his emotions like this. And it is so helpful for us because we see so clearly that actually this is exactly like us. We get panicked like this. We feel terror like this. The future presses on us in ways that make us feel like it's the end as well. I know the anxiety and distress Jesus is experiencing. We have a common humanity. He knows what it's like to feel terror. And not just to feel it in your mind, but to feel your body race with adrenaline. And your breathing kind of stops so you can barely keep going. And it's in the midst of this that Jesus decides to pray. For him, this is a summons to prayer. And as he comes to God in the midst of this, he doesn't tone it down. He doesn't edit the rawness out. He doesn't calm himself down first. He doesn't compose himself or remember a few lines of prayer he said in the past. He approaches God honestly in the midst of the distress he's facing and honestly asks for something. He honestly says, I want a way out. I do not want to do this. Is there another way? Before we delve further into that, let's just pause on it. Jesus is no stoic. He doesn't force down his emotions and pretend they're not there. He doesn't just try and summon himself up and get over it and move on. He's feeling the weight of things, and he honestly and rawly comes to God with it. 
honestly expressing his desires. This is Jesus, the sinless Lord of heaven. This is how he prays to his Father. It is a wonderfully freeing thing to watch. Because often when we come to God, we feel this need to edit ourselves a little bit, calm ourselves down, not get too emotional, present a kind of Instagram version of ourselves to God. But friend, you do not need to. If Jesus did not, then you do not. One of the things that really does jam up my prayer some days when I sit to pray in the morning, sometimes I, don't, I just can't get going at all. Just can't do it. I try the Lord's Prayer, I try different things, doesn't happen. Do you know what I do in those moments? I stop and I think about how I'm feeling and think about the anxieties I'm feeling about my day, things hanging over me from yesterday, the people I'm worried about. And I honestly bring those things up. And that magically fixes it, to be honest, quite simply. Because we get to start in the mess we are in with God. That's what Jesus did. It's a wonderful permission this messy prayer gives to us. But we do need to kind of hold off just for a second here. Because one of the dangers in reading this scene in Gethsemane is that we take it as just a template and example of exactly what we should do. But actually what's happening in Gethsemane is 100% unique. This is a, an irrepeatable moment in the life of Jesus. And here Jesus prays when we would dare not. And we need to just remember that this is a unique moment in all of salvation history, in the whole of Scripture. Something remarkable is happening in this garden as Jesus prays. Going a little further, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. The hour, the moment, the time. The moment when all the promises of God are to be fulfilled. The moment he came to earth for, the fulfillment of his mission is at hand. And all the things of God will come to their fruition in the next few days. This is the moment. This is an irrepeatable one. And yet Jesus comes to the cusp of fulfilling everything God has promised. And he says, take it away. Everything's possible for you, Father. His Father in heaven, who loves him. Take this cup from me. I do not want to do it. Is there another way? How remarkable is that? And yet this, this rawness and this honesty is matched with this humble willingness to submit to the path before him. Yet not what I will, but what you will. I want this, he prays. Knowing the answer will always be no. And hand in hand, willingly submits himself to the path that will follow. Now what is this cup he's speaking of? What is this terror that befalls him? Well, it's not just the cup of bitterness of normal human life he's talking about. In the Old Testament, there's lots of times where the cup of God's wrath is mentioned. Isaiah 51. Jerusalem, you've drunk from the hand of the Lord the cup of his wrath, his anger. Or Psalm 57. In the hand of the Lord is a cup full of foaming wine mixed with spices. He pours it out 
and all the wicked of the earth drink it down to its very dregs. It's an evocative image of the hand of God carrying his anger, and it is to be drunk by everyone on the earth. This is the cup that Jesus shrinks from taking. This is the cup that he would prefer a way to avoid. He walks to the cross to drink to the dregs the wrath of God for me and for you. That's why this moment presses on him so heavily. Why he feels in such a panic and terror. There is nothing worse than the wrath of God to Jesus. And he will experience its full torrent as he walks to the cross. Is there another way? Take this cup from me, but not what I will, but what you will. This is the vital moment where Jesus decides to walk decisively and finally to the cross to save us. And in this vital moment, when everything is hanging on the line, he asks his disciples to pray and watch with him. And they fall asleep. Simon, are you asleep? Couldn't you keep watch for one hour? Matthew's gospel adds in two kicker words, with me. Couldn't you keep watch for one hour with me? When Jesus is in Gethsemane wrestling with God, he prays alone. No one can stay awake to pray with him. And he prays not once, not twice, but three times. This is not a simple thing for him. This wrestle between the desire to avoid the cup and to do the Father's will is a deep wrestle in prayer with his Father. And every time he comes back to his disciples, he finds them sleeping. Are you still sleeping and resting enough? The hours come. You missed it. This was the moment to pray. The moment when everything was in the balance and you were asleep and you missed it. Jesus prayed when we could not, will not, dare not. In the moment when everything hung in the balance, when we succumbed to weakness, Jesus wrestled in the garden with his Father and his prayer became our salvation. As he willingly submitted himself to the will of his Father, as the Father said no to his prayer, Jesus obediently, courageously, faithfully, and finally walked to the cross for us. This prayer that he prayed on his own was the beginning of our salvation. He prayed and wrestled where we dare not, where we could not. He alone did it. And yet, remarkably, even as this is a unique moment, it becomes also a moment of teaching. Jesus teaches us to pray under pressure like him. This is one of the things that astounded me this week reading this passage. When I, when I looked at it afresh and see the, saw the panic that Jesus had, it's amazing that in the midst of that panic, 
he is with it enough to actually instruct his disciples. There's teaching here that he gives them. As he comes to them and sees that they've fallen asleep and deals with them, he says this, Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. You see, although Jesus knows this is his ordeal, this is the path set before him, the cup that he will drink, this ordeal that is before him will fall on his disciples in just a moment. When he is arrested, they will be forced to make a decision and all of them will flee. His ordeal will become their ordeal. And so he instructs them. Pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Or maybe better, that you won't fall in the midst of temptation. Temptation here being the trial and the ordeal that's happening. So that you won't fall apart under the pressure. Jesus is instructing us that when these moments of ordeal befall us, prayer is where we are to turn. We are to turn to the Father in the same way he demonstrates in the garden. And the reason for that is that the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. That, the, that the, these moments of trial and ordeal have a way of kind of pressing open this crack in us. These gaps in us. This gap between our willingness to follow and obey and the weakness of our human condition and our frailty. And the way we break under pressure so naturally. When things before us, Jesus says that, that that is what is going to happen to you, and it does. They say they'll stay and they run. And this is what happens to all of us in the midst of ordeals. This, this gap, this, this, this thing opens up inside of us. Ordeals and trials can take all kinds of shapes and forms. I knew someone who woke up one day with a backache that then never left. And he, every night, would sleep with excruciating pain through his back. And he couldn't even remember sleeping well ten years later. The constant ordeal of his life was this back pain. Or it might be that long, slow love you try to show a family member who just seems unchanging in the face of any gentleness or kindness from you at all. And staring down a life of being in that family with them is just torturous. Or maybe it's the life that you want to have and you don't have it and you're looking down a life that you don't want. These things, these trials, they open up cracks in us. Jesus says the only thing to do then is to pray. To pray as he prayed. To come to the Father that he knew. And to say, I don't think I can do this. I need you to find another way. I don't think I can find a way. This is too much for me. I can't deal with this day upon day. Why would you let this happen? Why won't you give me this life instead? We are allowed to come to God with that. In fact, it is part of this prayer. 
coming with honesty and desire for what we're actually wanting. And yet, as Jesus does, coming and saying in the same breath, but you are my loving heavenly Father, and if you will it, I will walk it. If you will it, I will walk it. Staring down the path and saying, I don't want to walk this path. Can I please have a different one? But also saying, but not my will, but your will be done. And maybe like Jesus, it's not a prayer we say once or twice or three times, but daily. Twice a day, three times a day. But it's almost like Jesus is saying that this, this prayer almost, it steals us, it strengthens us, it forms us, it forges us in the ordeal. It's like we find the steps of obedience as we wrestle with our God. As we entrust ourselves to his fatherly goodness, even though we don't have the things we want. And prayer by prayer by prayer, we find a step and another step and obediently walk forward and forward, as Jesus did. You know, if you find yourself on your knees asking for another way, but lowering yourself before your Father, do you know who you look like? You look like your Lord. Wrestling in the garden with him. It's an honorable and beautiful place to pray. And you have the knowledge that actually Jesus has walked the path before you. He has prayed the prayer before you. He's walked the obedient path and drunk the cup of the Lord's wrath for you. The answer to his prayer was no. That the Father might say yes to you. And you might have him forever. So friend, I don't know tonight what is in your path. For some people, the room might feel too heavy to handle. Can I encourage you that you can come to the Father like the Lord Jesus does today? With your desires, honestly. And friend, you can trust him. You can trust your father and say, I don't will it, but I will walk it, trusting that you love me and that my savior has gone before me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that on the night before he died, Jesus, as he wrestled with you in the garden and felt the terror of facing your wrath. Lord, we thank you that he prayed then and it became our salvation. And Lord, we lift up to you tonight those desires that are in us for something different. And we also trust your fatherly goodness and ask you to help us find the next step on the path of obedience through this life, trusting that our Lord Jesus has gone before us. He is praying for us even now. And his power is upon us when we come weakly to him and to you, acknowledging we cannot do it unless you help us. So empower us, we pray, for Jesus' sake. Amen.
Thanks for listening to the Newtown Erskineville Anglican Church Podcast. For more audio content and information about our church, please visit neac.com.au.